0: Thank you. Appreciate that, Pastor. Hallelujah. This thing on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, we'll bless the Lord this morning. It's good to be here. Amen. It's a wonderful privilege, amen, to be here and uh, to be able to minister, amen, the word of God. Uh, just a quick testimony. I know I don't get to come back home very often, but in our church, uh, God's been helping us, been giving us some people and uh, gave us uh, these You know, we basically got three people that's really solid in our church, but they are a tremendous blessing. Uh, And uh, God's really helping us. Uh, One of the the young men uh, in our church, amen, uh, we're working with him. So, you know, he's probably going to preach, you know, his first sermon probably in the next month or so. So I'm kind of, we went out to lunch yesterday after outreach, sat down with him, showed him how to do a sermon and all of that. I was really wanting to get him prepared, so if I ever need a cover, he'll be able to do that, and so he was on board with that, and so pray for him. He's 61 years old and still willing to do the will of God. Uh, Another, uh, we got two other girls that's gotten saved. They're in their their mid-20s, and uh, they are a tremendous blessing. Uh, Today, my wife's taking them out to eat at Longhorns because she got 25% off, hallelujah, And uh, because she works there. but uh, So she's going to take them there, and they're going to have a little lady tonight and uh, ladies' afternoon rather, and uh, that's a tremendous blessing. So uh, this morning, something really funny, but uh, uh, I think is the testimony. Wednesday, my son Isaiah turned 13 years old, and so uh, this morning he's leading song. Amen. Yeah. He <laughs> said, "Pastor, you must be crazy." Well, you know what? He'll be he, he'll be an adult one day, you know. So every young person that come in our church whether or not they're 10 or they're 11 years old or nine, I try to connect with them because I know one day they'll be 13 or they'll be 14, they'll be 15, they'll be 16 or whatever the case might be. So I try to connect with all children in our church, you know, and so God's helping us and uh, keep praying for us. We're meeting in a hotel, the other building, many of you uh, came to outreach. They actually kicked us out. Uh, not that, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. There was a miscommunication with the two landlords or whatever. And so, uh, uh, they kicked us out. We had went and bought all this stuff. So all, our, our entire church is in our house. The chairs, everything's all tucked in closets and over here. And thank God for my wife. Amen. She's willing to do that. But we're meeting in a hotel right now. And uh, half the time, they don't charge us. You know, sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. And, um, you know, they, they've been a tremendous blessing, has given us favor and kind of freedom to be able to do whatever we want. So, there's a great favor, a great blessing in the church. Our finances in our church is tremendous. Amen. We have people, uh, you know, God, God's blessing our finances. We, we're we're self-supportive, basically. And we've actually been that way since day one. And so, from the moment we were launched out of here, we never got, you know, we, we didn't have to receive any, re, uh, any uh, report, uh, uh, support. And we've, we've been that way the entire time. We've been there a year. And um, God has grown our finances. And God is doing a great thing in Commerce, Georgia. You know, the, the, the population there is 7,000 people. And some of you here, you want to go pioneer. And you're looking at Atlanta and Cincinnati and California. And, you know, California, all these big towns. Listen, God can move in a small town. If God, it ain't about the town. It's about God moving through you. Because you can have revival through you no matter where you're at. Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. So, John chapter 2 this morning, I want to get that out. We're going to have a long morning this morning in the Holy Ghost because God's going to do several different things in some people's lives, amen, and he's going to help them. And uh, can I have a little bit more monitor? My brothers back there, turn me up so I can hear myself. I feel like I got to chew the microphone. Amen. Y'all don't mind. Just a little bit. Ah, yeah, there we go. Hallelujah. So, John chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 10 this morning. Uh, David Wilkerson, in the book, um, The Cross and the Switchblade, he used to watch television every night from 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. That was like his little ritual, you know, something that he did every night. I guess, I guess he'd done that to, uh, to uh, relax and unwind, etc. So he did that for, you know, he, that was his thing that he did every night. And so God began to prompt him. God, God began to deal with him. And say, why don't you instead watch television from 12 a.m., why don't you pray instead? So he began to, you know, wrestle with that. How many know we wrestle with God? He began to sort of wrestle with that, but he he decided to surrender. He said, okay, God, I'll sell my television. I'll put it up for sale. But if they don't call me by 10 o'clock in the morning, then I'm going to keep it. So he does that. He puts his television up for sale. And uh he he's waiting on them to call nine or nine fifteen comes around, no call, nine thirteen comes around, no call, nine thirty no call, nine forty five, no call. Nine fifty nine, the phone rung. Hello, is this David Wood- Yeah. He- I heard you had a television for sale. Yes, sir. And he hasn't really, he haven't, he haven't even thought about what he was charging for the television. He just, you know, was going to sell it. So the guy said, how much you want for it? He said, give me, he said, I don't know, give me $100. He said, sold. This is the 1950s. That's, that's pretty expensive for a television, I would think. Only one would know how to know the times is probably out. he could tell us how it was in 1950s. <laughs> and so, and so he sells his television and he starts to pray. One night in his prayer, he, he runs across Time magazine. And in that magazine is a pencil drawing of seven young men who were gang members. They were on trial for killing a man in cold blood. And he said as he, as he was reading this article, he started to weep and he started to cry. Then he said he heard, he heard God speak to him and say, say, go to New York and help those boys he's living right now in Pennsylvania it's a it's a country town he has a country church small town but he decides to obey God so he travels to New York he has an offering that night. The church raised enough money for him to drive back and forth to New York one way, uh, back and forth. And so he goes, he preaches, uh, uh, and he comes back. Uh, God really stirs him. So he makes several trips to New York. Uh, teenagers started getting saved, uh, 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 and, and they started, uh, uh, God began to help them. They begin to get saved and to begin to get filled, uh, amen, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was a great revival that broke out amongst teenagers uh, in New York City. Because of David Wilkerson and he went on from my my understanding to pioneer Times Square Church as well it all started with listening to the voice of God and obeying God and then there was a miracle that occurred in the scripture that we're going to look at this morning we're going to look at John chapter 2 we're going to see how God gave them some instructions that didn't make sense but once they decided to obey them They saw a miracle. Hallelujah. John 2, beginning in verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to do, do it. Now, now there were six, now, now they're set there, six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled the water, they filled the pots up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. When the master of the feast has tasted The water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Let's pray. Father, we ask you this morning for the Holy Ghost, your supernatural blessing, your wisdom, your favor, in Jesus' name. I look first of all at out of wine, out of wine. In verse 3, the Bible says, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, this morning, uh, you might not be out of wine, but how many know they have a need and you and I have a need as well? Their need was wine, but you came here this morning, amen, with a problem. You came here this morning seeking a solution to your dilemma. You came here this morning hoping uh, that God can do something in your life. Uh, Amen. Here these people are. They are having a wedding. Uh, This wine was central uh, to the party. Amen. It meant everything uh, to have wine at this celebration. Uh, And now all of a sudden uh, they they have run out of wine uh, and they they start to get frantic. Uh, They start to be afraid uh, we need more wine. Uh, And so this morning, uh, like I said, you may not be out of wine, uh, but, but what are you out of this morning? What do you need God to do in your life? Amen. What miracle that you need? You know, the interesting thing about this party that they was at, and probably the fortunate thing, is that Jesus was there. They ran out of wine, but rest assured, because Jesus Christ was there. I want to tell you this morning, you might have came here this morning, you may be out of something. You might be out of patience. You may be struggling with anxiety. You may be out of peace. Whatever the case might be, whatever you out of, rest assured and have confidence because God can help you this morning because he's here. Mary shows us something in this scripture that's very powerful. It's a lesson here that we need to learn. The Bible says that they ran out of wine and she took it to Jesus. Now we understand this morning that Jesus' father Joseph had passed away by this point. And so tradition tells us he, was, he, he had passed away. So she was probably used to, to taking things to him uh, and, and, and getting him to help him because he would have been obviously, you know what, like the man of the house. But there's a lesson that we need to learn this morning uh, is that if, if we have problems, like I said, you might not be out of wine, but what, did you need, what, what, what need do you have this morning? Uh, and the, the lesson that we learned from her is we must learn to take things to Jesus. You know, people call, uh, you know, they text me and call me. They're like, Pastor, I'm living in the wall. I'm at Walmart. I'm living in my car. Can you help me? Now, you know, I can't help everybody. We got three people in our church. <laughs> and But you know what I do? Sometimes I will. I'll go to the grocery store. There's a lady a couple of years, I think about a year ago. I went to the grocery store. I bought them some groceries and I took them by their house and I gave it to them. And you know what, they, they never prayed to get saved or anything like that. How many know that only meets a temporary monetary need? But Jesus can meet the need of the human soul. And what I have learned about being a pastor is that it's not my job to fix everybody's problem. After you know you stay on the phone with people, talking with them and all that, and constantly over and over, I'm like, yeah, you know, pray. You know, talk to Jesus because he is the answer. So Mary is teaching us something, that you got a problem, you out of wine, take it to Jesus. You out of money this morning, take it to Jesus. Because he has a solution. We need to learn to point people to Jesus Christ. I'm going to look secondly at whatever he says. In verse 4 and 5, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? By the way, woman was not a term of disrespect. It was actually uh, a term of, it, it was, it, 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 that's the way you would address someone who had rank. You would say woman. So it wasn't like he was like, woman? You know, in the American, that's how we, you know, shawty, what you, nah. But, but it wasn't disrespectful. He was saying that because she had rank. That was his mother, okay? So let me just throw that out there. Jesus, rude. Say, what, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come, his mother said to the servants. Whatever he says to do, do it. Listen, whatever your need is, God can help you, but there might be some instructions attached to the help. The key to seeing God move is obedience to his word. Mary goes to her son without a wine. Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. She goes to the servants and says, whatever he says to do, that you need to do. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Why why would she say that? Because she must have understood what he was capable of doing. Think about this. why she go to him? Because, and I know we say that this was his first public miracle, but how many know, how, how, how do we know there was not miracles around the house? And in the Bible said that couldn't have happened. It was just this was going to be the first public ministry. But he could have been, she, she saw something. There was a reason she went to him. Two reasons I want to bring out. She knew who he was, and she knew what he could do. Jesus is here this morning. He's a miracle worker. And if you knew who he was, and you knew what he can do, you'll take it to him. Reinhard Bunky. He was a. Many of us know him, Africa. He's the only person that I know had prayed with a million people to get saved at one time. I don't know anybody else uh, ever done that, but uh, if you have, let me know. You know. I'll start using you as an illustration. And so, well, Reinhardt Bunke was a powerful man of God. He was, he, he, was, uh, he went to Africa to preach. And no offense, uh, let me, let me, okay. he noticed there was nobody in the church under 60. Everybody was old. oh even if, you, if you're over 60, I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying. He's preaching in the church. He says, where are the young people? There's no young people here. Everybody got gray hair? I said, you got gray hair, thank God for you. I'm just using the illustration. My brother right there, it's okay, man. We, we respect you. Hallelujah. But, but he says, he says uh, where's all the young people? And the pastor looked at him and said, you want to know where the young people at? He said, yeah. He said, get in my car. So he got in the car, they're driving. They pull up to this nightclub. There's a huge disco ball. How many remember disco? Al Cooper, you remember disco? Yes, yeah, he But they all might remember disco too. Hey, Amen. Maybe Andy. You remember disco? Uh no. Just uh, <laughs> but anyway, for you young people, the disco is a big old ball with lights. And it turns around and around, and there's music that sounds like this. Y'all got it? That's the disco. So he pulls up to this disco, and the pastor says, yeah, all the, all the young people in there, he said, this is the disco. Ron Hobart said, this is a disco. He said, yeah, it's the disco. He said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go inside that disco. So he was like, okay, doesn't make sense, but I'll go inside the disco. So he walks inside the disco, and if my recollection of the story correct, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go find the owner. He goes and find the owner. God prompts him to ask the owner so that he could preach. He asked the owner if he could preach for five minutes. The owner looks at him. He says, you want to preach in the nightclub? He said, you got a shirt and towel. He said, you need to go to the church. Get out of here. But he said, no, all I want is five minutes. Then he said the owner of the disco just stopped and turned and looked at him and said, okay, tomorrow night I'll give you five minutes at midnight. He comes back tomorrow night. He doesn't have a shirt in town. He just has his clothes on. At midnight, the disco music's going on. You know that. Stop the music, every ladies and gentlemen. This preacher want to talk to you. They enough smoking cigarettes, dancing. He preaches. He starts preaching the gospel. Just about the entire nightclub got saved. He leaves. Goes back home. Comes back a year later. The pastor said, "Get in the car. I want to show. You. I want to show you something." Get in the car. He takes him to this old disco. And as soon as they pull in the parking lot, the disco ball was replaced with a cross. And he says, as soon as he walked through the door, all these young people were chanting, "Bonky, bonky, bonky, bonky," and one by one they started coming up to him. Last year when you preached, I was sitting over there. Last year when you preached, I was over here. Last year when you preached, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was the DJ of that night. And, and God completely did a miracle. But listen to me. Let me ask you something. How many of us would have went in that disco? do said he would. Not many of us. But see, the Holy Spirit can't be in a box. One thing about pioneering, you, you, you learn is that, you know what? God can't be in a box. And you can't be in a box. And those of us that are saved, we need to understand God is not condensed to our box. John 2, 6. Now, listen to this. Now, they're set there, six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. My point. Those were used for washing hands. They contained 20 to 30 gallons of water apiece. They were used for, the Jews would use them for washing their hands. It had nothing to do with wine. My point is this. The instructions that God might be giving you this morning may not make sense. But if you're willing to obey, then you can see water be turned to wine. the story about Peter and Luke 5 fishing all night. Cash your net again. Are you serious? He does it. Biggest catch ever. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is speaking. And we decide to obey. And the miracle occurs. In Acts chapter 8, it's a man named Philip. He is. Y'all know the Bible. I'm not going down. I'm not going to be reading all these scriptures. Amen. This church has been here longer than I've been alive almost. Amen. Acts chapter 8, Philip. God, the angel speaks to him and says, go into the desert. He goes into the desert. And as he gets there, the Holy Spirit, he sees a man uh, reading the uh, book of Isaiah in a chariot. The Holy Spirit said, go over there and talk to him. When, When he walked over to the chariot, there was a man inside that chariot that was reading the scroll of Isaiah. He had no understanding. No understanding at all of what he was reading. But he, but he wanted God. He was trying. When Philip begins to minister to him, the man up believing in Jesus. He gives his life to Jesus. He gets baptized. How many people that escape our attention? Because God is speaking to us and we just. I'm not here. I'm not trying to beat anybody else. Listen to me. I'm just saying. I'm actually trying to give you some incentive on obeying God because if, when we obey God on the other side of obedience, it's a miracle waiting. You know why God hates idolatry so much? You know why he hates idolatry? Because he knows that idols can't help you. That ticks him off. Because he looks down, he sees people trying, they want God, they really want help, and they're attached to an idol. It, 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 It infuriates God, because God says, I can really help them. Those idols can't. It has nothing to do with him wanting to be the most high God. It's just, I can help you, they can't. How many miracles, man, escape us? Myself included. Years ago, I was working at Pilgrim's Pride. God was dealing with me to witness to these group of guys. I got off work. I said, No way, God. No way. Left walking. I remember feeling convicted after I started walking. And as I'm on my way home, there was a young man standing over there, just standing. I don't know, God put him there, I guess. I said, I'm going to make it up. Lord. I'm going to go witness to him. I went and witnessed to him. He gave his life to Jesus. You know all God's trying to do when God is prompting you? He loves you. And all he want to do is use you at maximum capacity. Because you and I can have as much as God as we're willing to have. God, and listen, God is not in the box. Don't put him, oh, But God ain't used to doing that. Don't mean he can't start doing it. I ain't never seen that before. Praise the Lord. We glad you have it. Because if you've seen everything, then we're in trouble. You know, (laughs) John chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, listen. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots of water and fill them up to the brim. Like I said, this doesn't make sense. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. Pacific instructions. What instructions this morning God's giving you? You need to remember something. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed them should not perish. You know what? There's some people here, you think that God hates you. And it's completely false. It's a lie. It's a lie from hell. There's some people here this morning. You came, you're listening to the, the devil. The devil's beating you up. You're terrible. You're this. You're ugly. You'll never be this. You'll never. It's a lie from hell. And, and, you know, God loves people, and he really wants to help people. He wants to encourage you. That wasn't part of my sermon, either. That was the Holy Ghost from somebody. Hallelujah. Reinhardt Bunky was 11 years old when he went to Africa. I mean, when God called him to go to Africa. How many here are 11? Anybody 11? Nobody. 11. Dang, you get some 11-year-old say. Nah, it's kidding. He was 11 years old. God began to speak to him to go to Africa. His dad and mom's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first of all you're white you know you're German actually you're German and you want to go to Africa really and they, they really just ah, whatever but he held on to his vision and he had a saying from Cape from Cape Town to Cairo all Africa shall be saved because of something God spoke to him when he was 11 years old what is God speaking to you Take this step of obedience, because I want to tell you something. It's for you. It's not for him. It's for you. I want to look at good wine. Verse 9, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning set out, uh, set, set the good wine out in front. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine. All they're saying is that, you know what, when in the beginning uh, they, they put out the good stuff, when everybody start drinking for a while, they, won't know, make, they basically won't know any difference, is what he's saying. But here's the point that I want to make to you, is that let me ask you So, How many of you this morning, you could turn water to wine? Thought oh, not, but God can. So there's things out of our natural control, but they're never out of God's natural control. See, the creator can tamper with the creation. You need to always remember that. God created everything. God can tamper with creation. We can't, but he can. What you create, you know how to change. Years ago, I was putting together a trampoline with my then brother-in-law. I don't know what you call it. Uh, we were putting together this trampoline, we took the directions, and we threw them. I need no directions. We men. we need directions for it. (laughs) Put it together, put it together. Hour later, my wife, Yeah, y'all think Jessica's all this sweet person. Nah, just kidding. But now she has a way of just kind of rubbing it in, you know, with a look. But she came out and she said, uh, y'all, that's right. Of course it's right. What do you mean it's right? Right. Of course it's right. What do you mean? We're we're two men doing this. Not just one man, but two men. We looked down. It wasn't right. We had to take that thing apart and reassemble it because we threw the instructions away. Some of you this morning, man, we're just trying to do our, we're trying to do life by ourselves, ain't we? We're messing up, man, 24 years, 30 years, 40, 50 years of our life. And we look back and we're like, man, I do messed up. Let me go get the instruction manual and put it together correctly. What, what is the instruction manual? This is God's instruction manual. Whatever he says to do, do it. Because there is a miracle on the other side. You single woman here this morning, do it God's way because the devil wants to rip you off. If you do it God's way, there's a miracle waiting on the other side and you'll be happy. Can I tell you something? Those of you, you want to get married. I I can mention marriage now. I'm actually a pastor, so I can say something about it. But those of you who want to get married, listen to me. You would be better off single than in a bad marriage. Come on, somebody. I guarantee you, if you was in a bad marriage, you wish you were single again. Just wait on God. Just wait because He can make the best wine. The, the, the servant, the servant, the uh, keeper of the house, the governor of the party or whatever, he tasted whoa! This is the best wine I've ever had. When God does it, it'll be the best that you ever had, because He can do it right. Hold on. Stay patient. Allow God to move in your life. And whatever it is he's speaking to you this morning, obey, listen to him. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. I'm telling you, you won't regret the miracle, man. is on the other side. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it's going to blow your mind. And, and, and um, Just do it. Because God has your best interest at heart. He has your best interest at heart. God wants you to do it. Maybe God put a ministry on your heart. Do it. Maybe God put something to witness on your heart. Do it. Maybe you're single. God put a girl on your heart. Do it. Ladies, you just wait on Him. Amen. Whatever it is, a business venture, God, do it. Whatever it is, God put on your heart. Whatever He says to do, do it. And boy, Charmaine, did God speak to you to start a business? God spoke to you to start a business? See what I'm saying? These two businesses have been a tremendous blessing to this congregation. They've been a ministry. Not just a business, but they've actually been a ministry. So, who knows what God wants to do? Amen? Let's all bow our heads this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. You uh, have never given your life to Jesus, uh, but you want to. i want to ask you to slip your hand up. We want to pray with you. Amen. You're here this morning. You've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to. Zip your hand up. Amen. We're going to have somebody pray with you. Maybe you're here and you backslidden You've given your life to Jesus before, but you have turned away from Jesus. This morning, I want to encourage you to return back to him. He has a plan for your life. Let's you slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. You have given your life to Jesus before, but you, you're living in, you know, you, you, you're not living the way that you should be living. God is dealing with you because he loves you. You know, Jesus told the apostle Paul, he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. Anybody here who's ever been in farming or dealt with cattle or goat is like a long stick that they would use to poke the livestock to get them to go in the right direction and to basically to annoy them, but to annoy them so they do right. So that's you this morning. You, You feel that little tugging, that little push. All God's trying to do is let you know that he loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he has a purpose for your life. And he's madly in love with you. I don't care what you've done this morning. He said, Pastor, you won't believe what I've done. I don't care what you've done. Jesus died for all sin. Jesus died for all sin. What about the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin is is any sin that you don't repent of is unpardonable. You don't repent, anything can be unpardonable. This morning, if you're willing to come down give your life to Jesus, He'll forgive you. You don't know what I've been watching. You don't know where I've been going. You don't know the words I've said. Well, you don't know what I was watching. You don't know where I went. You don't know the words that I said. But I'm forgiven. And you can be forgiven as well. Why? Because the love of Christ can can wash away any sin. You know, the Bible says where sin abound, grace abound even more. Yeah, your situation might be messed up, but the grace of God is even greater than that situation bless you this morning. Give it one more shot. There's some people here, man. I'm telling you they're here. Need to? This is the first step. You raise your hand and give your life to Jesus. You're going you're gonna to see God do a miracle. Gonna give all. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there one more time. Tell anybody you'd like to receive Christ this morning. You never received it. Slip your hand up. I'm going to pray with you. Anybody. All right, Those of us that are saved, God might be speaking to you about something. I'm sure that he was. What is is it that God's dealing with you to do? Like I said, maybe start a ministry. Maybe, you know, start a business. Maybe, I don't know, whatever it is between you and the Lord, but he's speaking something to you. The reason why he's doing it is because, listen, you got to understand when God looks at you, he don't see what you see. You see what you see in the mirror and what the devil tells you. That's not what God sees. God is prompting, stirring some people because He wants to use your life. Why does He want to use your life? Because He loves you. He paid the price you belong to Him. I'm going to open the altars up this morning. You come on down if anybody to come down there.